In the beginning there was nothing. And then, there were movies. The ancient human creation that served as time capsules of the past no longer exist. In the year 3000, the world is empty and sad, obsolete of the entertainment once made on celluloid. Now, two best friends have decided to dust off those relics from the past and power up their flux capacitors to discover the truth behind this way of storytelling and share it with the world. Join them today in this effort. Join Film Club 3000! A riveting bit of dialogue there <laughs> to start off our episode. This is not a flaw in your podcast, everyone. That was actually seconds of silence welcome everybody <laughs> to film club 3000 a podcast exploring the history of filmographies we are your hosts i'm kamari bryant i'm cameron lindley robinson each week we take a deep dive into a collection of films to explore the origin the trajectory and ultimately the truth in these subjects this is a series covering the films of yorgos lanthimos and postmodernism in greek cinema and today we are covering the very quiet <laughs> film netta very quiet very yes. quiet cam how have you been it's been a little while since we last podcasted good you know we've talked and we've talked in between that time but you know I'm just, no, no you know. we don't speak in between the podcast <laughs> we only communicate via <laughs> podcasting <laughs> the life in between podcasting is not a real life right this is actually my life my whole life it's yes. just this I'm good. How are you, Kamari? I'm doing great, you know. I've, I'm doing good. I'm out here, you know. It's now, I don't know, February. Life is moving fast. It is The February. year's moving fast, and it's interesting to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, more importantly, Kamari, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? Let me pull up the good old faithful letterbox yes. and see what I've been I might need to do that this time, watching. too, actually. Okay, yeah, so if you're not tuned in, then get involved with the Black History Month 3K Challenge yes. via Letterboxd, hosted by Film Club 3000. If you want to just spend the month of February and March just expanding on your film literacy and watching films by Black creators, Black directors, Black producers, uh, starring Black actors, then join the challenge. I mean, it, it it's really important to expand how, how, like what kind of films you watch, no matter if it's like by country or by, you know, women directors, Black directors. This is a way that we're trying to uh, promote that. Yes. A lot of great movies that we've seen and a lot of great movies that we haven't. But I digress. I've been watching a lot of Black film because of this challenge that we are hosting. Uh, most recently, I watched Malcolm X, uh, Spike Lee's Malcolm X starring Denzel Washington. And it was an, an incredible. I get to see it on the big screen at Alamo Drafthouse, which I feel like is really the way it needs to be seen is on a big screen because it is an epic. It is three hours and 30 minutes. A very long long movie and i very famously don't like long movies but <laughs> famously it, famously <laughs> it like went by like nothing it genuinely is just such a well-paced movie for how long it is and it's just so compelling the direction the performances specifically Denzel washington incredible like it's it's just hard to hate i i don't understand how anybody can give this movie less than four and a half stars it's but it's a five star in my book a couple others i want to shout out i watched uh a film called personal problems by bill gunn who is mostly he was he's a director but also known as a writer and he made a movie ganja and hess which is kind mm -hmm. of a very well-known black uh, horror vampire movie. But this was another movie that he made, Host Ganja and Hess. It's kind of just a very look, very like interesting look at like uh, mundane black life in New York City, in Harlem. And it's really beautiful. I mean, it's like really interesting to look, look at because it's like one of the very most earliest films shot on digital, which I think is just such a cool yeah. thing. Because huh. um, it's like this, it's like this, uh, this digital footage. At, at the inception of of what that technology was so like it just it's a different look completely from film and like now everything shot in digital like every like yeah, literally everything. more films are shot digitally than are shot on film so yeah. it's just so interesting to see like when this technology was a new thing um but it also is just a, a really great portrait and look at black life in 
the 80s and doesn't really focus on trauma or sadness or anything. It's just like a woman living her life trying to fall in love but also she's married to a man that like doesn't really like she, he's also having an affair it's just like people's problems people's lives and it's really really just beautiful um yeah so if you are able to please check those films out because they are incredible cool well i will also mention some black history month 3k films that i've been watching i will say having this challenge whenever i have free time and i'm like oh i should watch a movie and i'm like oh well there's this thing that i'm actively trying to do maybe i should watch a movie from like in this on this list or it's very helpful yeah, it so. whittles down the list a lot You're yeah like, okay, it's like a couple options here so i watched a film that came out this year called riot lane um which is a romantic comedy that um, I've heard like a lot of good things about. And um, for the listeners, I got my wisdom teeth taken out this weekend. So I've been on the couch a lot over the past couple of days, just like chilling. And so I, I watched a lot of movies, but this is one that I actually remember watching. It was really, <laughs> really kooky and imaginative and um, just really fun. And I think that like anyone who's recently been like out of a relationship, who's like recently been through a breakup will really resonate with with a lot of what is happening in this movie. So it was super fun, super kooky, um, black woman directed, um, pretty much an all black cast, like really, really fun and imaginative. And just like the, it was, it was very theatrical as well in the, in the direction of it. Um, so definitely recommend that. And then I also watched They Cloned Tyrone, which is just like one that I think all of us missed just because it came out during Barbieheimer. Oh yeah. And that was also so, I think that it was the funniest script of 2023. Like it was, oh, wow. the script was so hilarious. Like just, it was clever and like very aware of itself and just so like imaginative. And yeah, I really enjoyed that film as well. So definitely watch that. It's a little bit longer. Like it, it I feel like it, that's a little bit more of a commitment to sit through and you really have to kind of pay attention pretty well to like understand the nuances of what, all that's going on. But definitely recommend both of those. I also wanted to quickly just mention that I watched Nyad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I watched that with my parents while they were here taking care of me this Nyad weekend. Game. I watched it. It was good. <laughs> you liked it? Yeah, it was good. It was it was Nyad good. Game. I enjoyed it. I it, it's definitely like I know I, I always say that certain movies are dad movies, like The Holdovers is a dad movie. Nyad is a mom movie. My mom loved that movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I would guess that that Nyad was a mom movie. I mean, it's a net winning. <laughs> and Jodie Foster. Like, what else can you ask for in a mom movie? But I enjoyed it. I think it was good. I, like I feel like people had a lot of mixed reviews of it, so I didn't know what to expect going in, but I had a good time. Now, should they have been nominated for Oscars? Like, it's hard to say because yes, they both gave really, really incredible performances, but so did a lot of people. But you know, it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Well, something I've uh, read more about recently about specifically Annette Bening that I think is an interesting, just kind of bit of nugget of knowledge to know about in regards to the whole Oscar nomination thing is apparently she was like super for forward um and at the forefront of everything with the actor strike which i didn't know apparently she was oh. like a part of like, negotiation committees and stuff and like she was like really at the forefront so i think people are kind of thinking that that was also had something to do with you know her being her people wanting to honor her, yeah, and and her at her this and, point yeah. because it's like we're just off of the actor strike and she was like ma like a, a face of it so right. um i thought that was really interesting when i found that out that makes yeah sense. that makes sense and she's really she really is incredible in the movie like yeah. i think it's a deserved nomination like, and then jodie foster is jodie foster i mean jodie Foster she, is so as always true. What was funny? One of the most loved actresses of our time. What was funny is that I was watching it and I was like, you know, because Jodie Foster has a very specific like type of personality that always kind of comes through in her roles. I feel like like she acts a very specific way, and mm -hmm. I was like, you know, she's doing the Jodie Foster thing, and then they showed like videos at the end of the film of the actual woman, and it was like the woman acted just like that. I was like, oh, really good casting. <laughs> like, oh yeah, this woman yeah. acts just like Jodie Foster, so <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, they were both really good. I I'm happy for them, even though everyone's kind of like, what's going on? I think they were great. Yeah, so that's what I've been watching. I also watched a bunch of other things, but, you know, the drugs, who, who uh, knows what, what, it went in one year and out the other. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you were high. <laughs> we'll talk about your beverages? Yes, speaking of being high, just a disclaimer for everyone, I'm not going to actually be drinking these beverages today, just because there's still quite a bit of pain medication in my system, but I did conceive some beverages for these films that they will be in our magazine, the recipes uh, and so you can check them out there. But the first one for Kaneta, and I actually haven't named them yet, so that will be in the magazine too once I do that. So it's it's a work in progress right now is where we're at. with <laughs> Kind with of the, like Kaneta. Right, with, exactly like Kaneta. So 
with this, I wanted to make some kind of like riff on an old fashioned just because, I mean, obviously an old fashioned is one of the perfect cocktails and this is not a perfect movie, I would say, but it is definitely like experimenting a lot with things. And I think that an old fashioned is a great place to go to if you're trying to experiment with alcohol and mixology. But I wanted obviously to incorporate the Greekness of Yorgos in this film. And uh, so I I wanted to split it with ouzo. So do like an ouzo bourbon uh, old fashioned, go heavy on like some orange bitters and like <laughs> your face. Yeah, that sounds terrifying. I actually think that like it would be really, really good. And when, when I try it, like I'll report back. When I try it and make it, I feel like it's going to be really, really tasty. And I wanted to do like a Demerara simple syrup rather than just a regular simple syrup. And so that's basically just um, a brown sugar or not a brown sugar, uh, like a natural sugar simple syrup because I think that it'll give it like a really, really kind of deep flavor. Um, I'm going for kind of bold, not too sweet, but then like heavy on the bitters as well to because I think that will pair well with the ouzo. So hopefully it'll be like a really nice licorice, bold, old fashioned. That's what we're going for <laughs> with the Kinetic cocktail. Okay. I think it'll be good. I think I'll enjoy it. And then uh, the Weird Wave feature that we have for this episode is uh, called Strella. And so for this film, I'm doing a riff on a uh, whiskey punch. What, where I, how I got there is this film has a lot to say, I think, about community and, you know, like taking care of each other and that kind of like feeling that I think queer folk in particular often have to do is, is found family. And so I wanted to create something that is kind of like a community type situation, um, something that you would make like in a big punch bowl at a punch bowl at a party and it would just be out like on the on the table for for anyone to have if they wanted it. And so this is going to be like a lemon forward whiskey punch. So kind of like a whiskey lemonade, but I do want to top it with some club soda. I think it'll be really nice kind of, I mean, the whiskey is going to give it a nice like deepness. So it's not going to be too light and fruity, which I think fits Strella. So um, those are my cocktails and I hope that they're delicious and look for them in the magazine. They sound very yummy. The second one in particular yeah. tickles my fancy, <laughs> my particular fancy. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to make a segue there, but there's absolutely no segue to go into talking about this movie. So let's just hop into it. Let's talk about our film. Okay. Kaneta. Kaneta. Let's just, I'll introduce it really quick. So Kaneta from 2005, directed, of course, by Yorgos Lanthimos, written by Yorgos Lanthimos and Yorgos Kakanakis. It was produced by Athena Rachel Sangari with cinematography by Thymios Bakatakis, and it was edited, of course, by Yorgos Mavrop Sarides. Kind of cool that he's had that same like core team literally since the beginning, cinematography and editor. And then it stars Evangelia Randau, Aris Servitalis, and Kostas Zikominos. Kaneta, 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 all the way, all the way at the beginning of Yorgos Lanthimos, his feature solo directorial debut. Kaneta is a, <laughs> it is a lot of things and it's, you can feel that it's, that it has a lot of intent and energy behind it. But I mean, yeah, like Kaneta, Kinetic, it has a, like, uh -huh. <laughs> but I think a lot of the energy is a little displaced or more so doesn't really know what it's trying to be yet. It's like, you know, you can tell, especially when you when you like line all these movies up and just look at them all, you can tell where this is in the evolution of Yorgos Lanthimos. It is just a try at an attempt at finding his own style uh, or working out what his style is going to be. And I don't want to simplify it so much as to say that it's a failed attempt, but it is not the greatness that he will achieve one day in film. It is just a very, it's a very underbaked version of a lot of ideas that he explores later on uh, much more clearly and more sophisticated, um, in a more sophisticated fashion. That's how I feel, I think, initially. Yeah, and I think that, that that's a, a pretty apt um, analysis, I would say, or at least an initial thought on this film. Um, I mean, I think we've, we've talked a lot about how your ghosts is always kind of experimenting with the medium of film. And I think that like, this is definitely an experimentation and for it being one of his very, very first, I mean, it, it makes sense. It's a little difficult to get through at times. It's like, you know, very, very, very little dialogue. There's really not a lot going on. Um, what, what stood out the most to me is just how vastly different this film looks from 
really the rest of his films. Like it's shot in a completely different way. It's put together in a completely different way to the point that I was honestly surprised that it was Thimios Bakataki's behind the camera because it just felt so different. Like the, the handheld, you know, like I know that this man knows how to hold a camera. So it was very intentional. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think that like, it's interesting to watch under the guise of like thinking about Yorgos as a creative piecing together his craft and like experimenting with film. Like that is kind of a cool thing to witness. As far as like watching it as a film, like it's a little bit harder for me to grasp. Yeah, what's going on? I mean, I know yeah, what's going was, on, but <laughs> I mean, for me, I mean, this was a rough viewing experience for me. It just was very hard to watch. It doesn't really attempt to capture your attention. Yeah, it doesn't. And, it really uh, which which is very like fascinating, uh, a piece of media, a piece of media, a film that literally has no interest in capturing its audience. It's like an anti-film in a way, you know what I'm saying? It's literally just like showing events that's kind of tied together, that don't always tie together, that like the juxtaposition of the scenes don't really have anything to do with each other. It's just kind of like a glance at these people's reality. Uh, and even the idea of what they're doing and how they're existing is in itself like an abstract idea. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of just... You know, it's so many things that it's like not really becoming anything. It's not it's not really uh, adding up to much. Um, just to kind of give the listeners a description of what's happening, because I could never explain to you in my own words what is happening in this film. <laughs> uh, this I've kind of picked out this little uh, description that I found in a, in a review. It says, taking place in a desolate Hellenic seaside resort town, the baseline plot of the film revolves around three characters, a bearded photo store clerk, a masochistic hotel maid, and a man with a passion for BMW cars and Russian women. The three seem to be loosely connected, though the viewer never really finds out how. But we do know one thing. They share a con common interest in reenacting and filming violent altercation. And that's really it. Yeah. Um, but I would even say that that description is sounds a little more interesting than what actually happens in the film. <laughs> yeah. It, but I've talked about that before, like with the with a lot of these with a lot of the films that we've been covering, um, how the synopsis can lead you you to believe that it's going to be something else completely than what it actually exists. That's like Alps is very similar to that. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> the thing about this I guess the thing that interested me, or not even, the thing that you have to do a lot of work as the viewer in this film. Like, even you reading that, I'm, I was like, <laughs> all of that is there, right? Like, it's in the film. But, like, you really, as the viewer, and we've talked about this before, Yorgo's even, he's even said before that, like, he wants the viewing experience to be um, something that the viewer has to, like, actively be a participant in. Mm -hmm. And I think that the difference between this film and, like, the rest of his films, honestly, is that, I mean, you have to, like, actively participate to understand what's going on in this film, but, like, there's not quite enough there for me to even want to do that in this one. You know what I yes. mean? It's like... It's you're, like you're making up so much of the in-between that it almost feels like you're, like, working too hard you're like yeah it's like, like the film's for, giving me nothing like there were certain moments like there were certain glimpses where i was like if this had if this had gone a different way i would have really been interested in like what was going on like the relationship that was kind of forming between the the photographer and the the chambermaid was kind of interesting to me but it never really like quite did anything and then it like, really crystallized yeah, yeah. Like, it just kind of i agree I, I agree there were definitely glimpses of things that i i felt like oh this movie is about to start picking it up and really like capturing me like the moment uh, the scene that I pointed out was um, the scene where the maid is going into people's rooms mm -hmm. and then kind of going through their stuff and just kind of like examining and I was really interested in that like that kind of captured me because I mean there's this theme running through a lot of Yorgos Anthemos' films which is just this idea of performance which is very clear here with this with these reenactments but also this idea of uh lacking uh inability to connect but also mm, like I don't even know the word quite to like encapsulate it but this kind of othering of of main characters that he has which is just like this inability to connect with others and feeling different from others and I thought that was something really interesting with this maid looking at people's things and like laying in their beds because it's like oh this is her way of trying to yeah connect or to uh mimic 
like we're talking about mimicry so she's trying to actually like mimic humanness or like mm -hmm. true emotion which is kind of you know mirrors what her she's doing her reenactments and stuff and then there's like, that shot of her right after that which she's like running down the halls like running away from something and it's like oh i'm thinking that she got caught there's gonna be like a big you know <laughs> confrontation and it just of, yeah that kind of just happened <laughs> it just kind of existed like that and we kept going on with the story um but no like that's a prime example of like i was like oh this is going to be so like that that idea the idea of that alone is so interesting to me that could carry a whole movie and then it just wasn't that <laughs> you know another thing that i don't know if i just missed this or was like because in a lot of the online conversation that i saw about this film it talks about the the guy who like the leader i guess the older guy of the group being like an off-duty cop and I didn't really get that. Like maybe I, I didn't get did that I either. I thought that, that I, no, I thought that I was crazy because okay. I read that in some. I read a couple things in some that said in some that. reviews that had information that I just didn't. And I was like, <laughs> where did get. you get this from? So then, then that's kind of interesting because then it's like, oh, is he reenacting like cases that he's worked that he didn't? Yeah, like that would be an interesting thing as well because he also has a very like controlling presence within the group mm -hmm. as well like that scene where he's like where he she's like undressing and like that's like very uncomfortable and strange but it's just kind of like i don't really know where where we're going with this um mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that i feel like this this film is honestly like in conversation with and like like i feel like this is your ghost literally just like experiencing boredom and just like kind of diving into that like there's a lot of just yeah. like because i really do feel like these people are just so freaking bored that they're just doing whatever they can to like pass the time like that's how it feels i read a review online of somebody talking about how they watched this film at the height of the covid lockdown and how it really resonated with them because they were like i literally had nothing else like i was just so fucking bored and i was like that's yeah. kind of an interesting perspective to have on it is that like you just there's literally nothing going on you're thinking about greece in like this off season where they're, they're at a resort but there's literally no one there because they're in the off season which is not really a side of like the Greece islands that we see a lot in a lot of mm -hmm. media, I guess. We get a glimpse of that in Suntan a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I was like, going to say it's kind of interesting yeah. to think about that with Suntan. Um, but it really does feel just kind of like a de-evolution of like what happens to somebody when they're so bored that they have to start like acting Fine, like they're being murdered and like, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of an interesting thing. But again, it doesn't ever quite get to that point like when she's getting injured over and over again and she's like in the hospital or in the the doctor's office i was just kind of like where are we going here like what mm -hmm. is her character meant to be in this film there's not a strong understanding of like what any of these people people truly want outside of making these movies but then it's like why are we making these movies and it's like uh i mean this is definitely something that like we talked about your ghost plays with a lot not or at least uh not, yeah like playing with when he reveals to us the, the wants yeah, and the like whys motivation, yeah. the motivations and he often doesn't give us that uh, like alps we don't really get a why ever mm -hmm. um when something like the lobster it takes a while for us to get a lot of the whys but it it is it is kind of trickled yeah. out to us even in dog tooth there's no there's no strong why mm-hmm why this is happening but the characters are so strong and they still have wants wishes and they desires do have wants yeah for sure in the construct that they're in you know yeah. um they still want to get out of this thing that they're in even though we don't know why they're in this thing in the first place and that's what's compelling to watch uh in this film i don't really there's not really a, a why within the construct of everything that's going on so it's just a bunch of questions a lot of questions with really no answers yeah i um, feel like even in alps they're like while there isn't a clear like motivation or why for why these people are doing these things like especially the main character i feel like you do eventually kind of get at her like inability to connect and her desire to do that you know what yeah. i mean and her desire so like it's not quite as clear as it could be but it's still in there somewhere and i guess you yes. could you could make an argument that like the chambermaid going through the people's clothing is kind of her trying to connect but then that doesn't I don't really understand why, like, reenacting murders or reenacting, like, kidnappings is helping her feel like she's connecting to people. Like, I don't know. Maybe um, if it's just, like, she, she, I don't know, wants to feel chased after. Like, I don't know what that is. Um, well, I wonder if it's even, like, a thing of wanting to connect rather than a thing of just, like, feeling not that. I yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, or more so the idea of just feeling something than, you know what I'm saying? I, yeah. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, like like rather than just feeling nothing you're, you're at least even if it's a bad feeling at least it's a yeah it's yeah i mean because you had that first shot of her just like slapping herself around like fighting 
with herself, but it's also it's like a couple layers to it because she she is doing all of these like fighting with herself, da -da -da -da, this violence. But then there's other layer on top of that, which is that it is it is performance, it is mm -hmm. reenactment. She is performing something, um, and she's getting out something out of the performance, which is something similar to Alps. That idea of emotion connected to performance, like reality versus like fiction. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I, I think some of that stuff with her going around the rooms it connects to that but like yeah it is not super clear it's way less clear than any but i also think that a big thing is the lack of dialogue yeah you know what i'm saying like dialogue is such an important element in your Lanthimos' style in his in, in what he's known for mm -hmm. it really like that like in every one of his films like that is that is kind of the thing that people uh connect to i think the most more than anything is just that's that stilted dialogue that tone um and that's there's just none of that here there's none of that here he didn't have ephthemus he didn't have ephthemus and when when there is conversation it's still not as it's, it's not as uh, for lack of a better word poetic or we don't get to experience as much of the character as we do in his other films like dog too there's so much dialogue oh yeah there's so much like metaphor and like there's the motif of like the the movie lines within the dialogue and then the thing of words meaning other things there's so many like it's like they they're playing with language and they're playing with the script in his other films and there's just none of that here which makes it a, a very different experience so the writer yorgos kakanakis um this is the only film he's ever written. Okay. But he played the father in Wasted Youth. Interesting. Right? Yeah, that's really interesting. I just looked it up. <laughs> yeah, so he was he was around there. Yeah. Oh. Um and this film was in 2005. So this is pretty early in his in Yorgos Lanthimos's career. Yeah. Uh I guess we can do a little side thing and talk about My Best Friend for just a second mm -hmm. because I think it all is I think it's an important film, even though we're not discussing it or we're not covering the film in full on the podcast. And I haven't watched it. It's really hard to get access to. Yeah. Um, there's only like DVDs of it, but they're like region specific to like Greek, Greek DVD players. So it's like really hard to get access to. But My Best Friend was a film in 2001, I believe. And he co-directed it with Lakis Lazopoulos uh and it's like a farcical comedy film about two friends and their journey together and i read a couple of his interviews around this around this film or more so i read uh actually just one review of it it was a variety review mm -hmm. and it's really interesting because you get this idea that this is part this is excerpt that says um since its february opening in greece the picture hasn't been invited to any major festivals abroad and even a well-situated screening at the hollywood film festival didn't seem to set distributors heart racing so it's kind of this narrative uh that it's just not i, I think there's, that's really a, a picture or an image of like how the greek the greek film industry was seen internationally at this point in yeah. comparison to post weird way post dog tooth and attenberg they were trying to go into major festivals they weren't even getting accepted they weren't even being you know <laughs> oh. received by like distributors <laughs> in america you know what i'm saying this is also i just thought it was interesting that he's his name is still spelled g-i-o-r-g-o-s in this original uh -huh. uh, 2001 review from variety which is like an alternative spelling i think there's kind of interchangeable yeah. but um <laughs> and yeah and also I just think it's interesting as well because uh, from interviews, I've also seen that this film was uh, Yorgos Lanthimos kind of asked Lakis Lazopoulos to be a part of this film, to be a co-director on this film. And this was important for him because it was, it was his first big step away from commercial filmmaking into real film, real quote unquote, right. real filmmaking. It was his first film hmm. outside of making commercials for the longest time. But it's interesting to know that this is not, I don't think that he considers this as a part of his official filmography. It's the only film he, he doesn't have listed on his official website. So no, I think it's appropriate to not cover it because he doesn't, if he doesn't consider it as a part of his filmography. But yeah, I think that it was an important step and it is what brings us to Kaneda. You know, yeah. I don't think we would have Kaneda without my best friend because... You know, it's kind of formative in that way. Hmm. Well, maybe one day we'll be able to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll go to Greece and, and go to a screening there. I would love to. <laughs> 
It's interesting thinking of Yorgos's transition from Kaneda to Dogtooth, which is like his one of his early masterpieces, I feel like, you know, like that oh, yeah. the step there is is crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And it's what, only like four years? But I mean, yeah. I think this also just to show how informative a, f- a first film can be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you learn so much about about what it is you're doing and like the the result of that. Um anyway. All right, there's also I I would like to shared this quote as well from an interview and this was talking he, when he was asked about funding and the difference between funding for his films he says it has always been very difficult to make films in greece because they are only government funded and it's only the greek film center that runs the films the greek film film center is something we talked about many times that has funded uh, these films mm-hmm. and he says uh and up and up to now to three or four years ago it was almost impossible for young people to make films all the money went to the older directors but it has changed in the last three or four years because there have been a couple of young greek filmmakers that have been acknowledged internationally with their films getting into international festivals my previous film Kaneta, went around the world but it wasn't funded by the greek film center it was the only greek film that went around the world wow so this is also a pretty big step i guess in like the history of greek like filmmaking as well if it got the attention that it did it could mm-hmm. have very well led to the Greek Film Center funding these young filmmakers. Absolutely, I, I think it's really interesting to note too is like the difference between who they were funding, like like veteran filmmakers versus these young filmmakers who were making who were known for making commercials and you know people like Athena Rachel Singari and and uh, Argos Papadimitropoulos and and Yorgos like they were in commercial the commercial world and it's like oh we can keep funding the same people we've been funding for years and years and and if in Kaneta, i mean i i tried to look up a source and where they found their funding from but i couldn't find one yeah but the fact that they completely funded themselves without that help yeah that's a really like you said that's a really huge step for for greek cinema um and that it was recognized internationally even though people weren't taking to it <laughs> yeah um it still was recognized which is great yeah come on yorgos yeah making strides a very experimental film what is the experiment he's 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 uh partaking in here what what would you say i don't know for me the experiment i feel like is an, a lot in the the actual craft of the camera i think especially thinking about yorgos as someone with a background in commercial filmmaking it makes sense that he would want to play with this very like jarring handheld thing because like there are there are parts of this film where i was like i can't believe like that that even that crazy of a handheld moment like lasted for as long as it did like where i feel sick sometimes like, like a I whole person sick at points. isn't even in the frame because the camera is shaking so much and so i think that yeah. like there is some experimentation going on with like the actual use of the artistic use of a camera outside of just you know a camera on a tripod or a camera on a dolly or you know like a smooth stabilized shot like stills which he's known for that's what he's known for so those like still wide shots yeah. is like all he does you know what i'm saying <laughs> as, i mean like a slow push in that's very very smooth like <laughs> yeah um uh, yeah i don't know what do you think his experiment is is in well this? when you mention that it makes me think maybe it is just kind of like a deconstruction of what is <laughs> i don't know this sounds very uh backwards <laughs> or like shady but like a deconstruction of what is good you know what i'm saying because but like but i was <laughs> just to allow don't do your guess no like but no 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 but i'm, I'm <laughs> But uh, to elaborate on that, I mean, like, he comes from a world of the commercial industry, which is all, like, ca- big camera setups, mm-hmm. big, you know, very intense, polished, like, very, polished yeah. co- like, commercial idea of what film is. And he's doing this as an experiment to kind of put that on his head and kind of challenge the idea of what can be good in the industry of film. I Speaking, connecting to earlier, when I'm talking about that film, uh, Personal Problem by Bill Gunn, it's exactly what he was doing with that. He got the ugliest newest digital video that looked kind of (laughs) terrible and he shot a feature film on it just to challenge uh or to provoke the idea of what quote-unquote good film was at that time um and i think that he could possibly be experimenting with that here that's like the camera's always moving it's always shaky the like the film is kind of provocative in a sense like there is it's like the the opposite of what an entertaining film would be it's just the mundane it's just like the boring stuff so like maybe he's trying to make like a like i said earlier like an anti-film you know and that is really interesting like it is 
I think, an important thing as artists to kind of question, you know, what constitutes good and bad and what do those words even mean? Yeah. And, and, the, and the, the, the idea of like what art is, that's kind of like, I, I do appreciate people that are willing to do that and that yeah, are experimenting cool. in that way. Yeah, It's necessary, you it know, it's not only for audiences to challenge our perceptions of what is good, but also for the filmmaker to, to challenge his own understanding of, you know, I'm sure there's so much more you can learn from making like a film that's an experiment than just making a safe film that will, you know, be internet, you know, be internationally known like yeah. that, you know? Well, uh, and then even to think about him kind of questioning those things so early on in his career and then stepping into Dogtooth Alps, the lobster films that I feel like are also kind of questioning the status quo and questioning like what, what audiences will accept as good cinema. Like obviously mm -hmm. he, he, learned a lot from the experience and you know Dogtooth I think it's phenomenal but I think that some people would watch that and be like this is terrible because yeah, it is yeah, very absolutely. jarring and very different than you know the status quo of what film is and so obviously he learned he a challenges. lot yeah. he continu I mean he continuously in all of his work really challenges the idea like all of these ideas uh he consistently challenges the audience's like perception of what is shocking what is provocative what is like in poor taste and does it in amazing taste and kind of makes you question you know what is inappropriate like the fact that i can love dog tooth and there's like incest in that movie you know what i'm saying that's yeah. not like that doesn't make you like i mean it's, it's still disgusting and wrong but it doesn't make you like turn away and like absolutely be like this is a terrible movie because it like it shows incest like right. no it, it is it is shown in such a i don't even know if you can say tasteful but the construction of the overall story is so intentional and and makes such a strong point that it's like hard to deny yeah. that it's still brilliant like it, despite all of it honors the complexities of of human existence as well it's like yes this is just a reality of of life that like we yes we can pretend like it's not real but it is and so we might as well yeah and talking about it yeah go ahead in the evolution of understanding yeah like of, of a person growing from a, a place of not understanding to understanding and like how that that is like a that is a normal thing for people to if somebody doesn't know something they don't know something right it's kind of connects to poor things in that way like that is something similar he's exploring is like bella constantly learning more constantly exploring but at one point she doesn't know anything and it's like are the things she does wrong because she doesn't know that because she doesn't know them or is it just a part of the human condition to always be constantly learning and becoming and, better yeah, and, and growing yeah. and he believes i think he truly believes that like people just grow constantly and like learn more and become better and go through these experiences and they shift and they change and that is that in itself is a very fascinating thing to watch even in this movie <laughs> that is <laughs> slow and boring yeah that's a little part. bit more challenging <laughs> yeah 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 the film was not released theatrically in the united states 2005 it was released in 2019 uh at the museum of moving images where it played for nine days in october so that was its only release in the u.s and that was like to give context that was post the favorite so uh that favorite sense, was yeah. favorite was 2018 mm -hmm. uh and i'm not quite sure uh, so yeah it would have been post uh all of the oscar stuff and all of the libby coleman win and everything so um yeah yeah it's, it's interesting the the way that people will honor certain films because of, of a director like i think that that's great oh, i yeah. think that this should be something that people watch like especially people especially people interested in filmmaking like mm -hmm. students of film should definitely watch a film like this and and really all of yorgos's evolution um but i don't know it's kind of interesting to think that like if he had not gotten to the point where he is now this probably would have just been buried under the, the oh, history yeah. of greek cinema which is unfortunate because yeah. there's probably lots of films that we could learn a lot from that we don't even have access to because that particular person didn't see the same kind of success Mm -hmm. um that's also why i think there is like a worth to like auteur theory even though people kind of like brush against it because um you really can see the evolution of an artist throughout their filmography and like fascination in a auteur like yorgos lanthimos will make you go back to watch his first film ever like the, yeah. there's really nothing else to make you want to go watch a film like Kaneda except to really fully consume mm -hmm. one person's entire like artistic collection and like understand what they like what they're trying to say as an artist um yeah and and similarly with with movements in cinema it also does that like the, the fact that you know the, the greek weird wave is something that comes across controversy for the titling but it still is something that is a solidified thing that has made us interested in going back and exploring the breadth of what those filmmakers had to offer at this time and you know i, I think that's really important to quantify or uh like put into lists kind of these yeah these things because it 
if there's a list, somebody will go back and research it and, and go through it and check it, you know? Yeah, no, exactly what I said at the beginning of the podcast. Like, having having the challenge made made me really want to actually sit, sit down and watch these movies that maybe would have, you know, kind of been on my brain for a long time that I wouldn't have actually sat down and done. So I think there's there's a lot of worth in, I mean, the study of film, obviously. That's Welcome to Film Club 3000. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm happy that we watched this movie. And, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad that it's in my, you know, brain now. Even though yeah, it was, yeah. like, a challenging experience to sit through yeah. <laughs> at times. Maybe there'll be a time when, like, you're working on a film or a script and you're like, you know what, I really like that one shot in Kaneda where it was shaky and you could, like, see another person through, like, the crack of some one person's arm. Yeah. Like, that's something that I want to that was reference just... and recreate. That was the thing that stuck in my head. No, the shot um, that really got me, <laughs> this is very specific, is when they're, like, <laughs> when they're um, riding the what are they called go-karts mm-hmm. and they just like start going and he's like yeah this is how you this is your left foot is go your right foot is stop or whatever and then the older guy speeds off she doesn't move and then all of a sudden like the camera moves and then all of a sudden she's like crashed like that <laughs> <laughs> i was like what did this bitch do that like, good old yorgos <laughs> comedy right there like <laughs> why is she and then everyone just kind of walks over to her and they like try to help her out i'm like yeah yeah this girl has issues he'll always have his funny in the in them <laughs> but i don't even know if it was supposed to be comedic i just thought i, mean, I feel like it is i feel like it's definitely int- with him yeah, yeah it's I think absurd it's i guess <laughs> he likes he likes that weird comedy um, do you have anything okay. else about canada you want to say nothing else about canada i would honestly i'm down to have like a, a somewhat interesting like strella was really a phenomenal movie to me talk to me about our weird way feature yes Strella. so let's get into this so, weird way feature weird wave feature Our Weird Wave feature for this episode is uh, a film called Strella. It also has an alternative title called A Woman's Way. And it was, uh, it came out in 2009. It was directed and produced by Panos H. Kutras, written by Panos H. Kutras and Panayoitis Evangelides, um, with cinematography by Olympia Mitalinau. And it was edited by Yana Chakodakis. And the music was composed by Mikel Delta, and it stars me. Nina Orfanu and Yanis Kokias Menos. Strella. Strella. So I did not get to complete Strella because I ran out of time. So Cam, you're gonna do me a solid and explain. Where did Strella. you? Where did you do you recall ending? I don't recall. Just just go from. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to go step by step but just give us i'll a, give, a, give a, a brief a, synopsis first of all i want to say that like Stella. this film i'll just say briefly like i really really was terrified to watch this film because i knew the basic plot and i was like genuinely scared of it i loved this movie i think conversely to Kaneta, it like it jumps right into the action and it kept me engaged literally the entire time so the basic plot is it follows this man yorgos who uh just recently or who gets out of prison after a 15 year sentence and and he goes to Athens and his whole goal is that he wants to find his son who um, obviously he hasn't seen in 15 years, who's now like an, a grown adult person. In the middle of this journey, he meets this um, young trans woman. Her name is Stella, but her friends call her Strella because I guess that means crazy. She's like, I'm kind of <laughs> crazy. So my friends call me Strella. And they begin a uh, sexual and a kind of a romantic as well a relationship with each other. So he's on this journey to, you know, find a son, all of this. A lot of plot happens. A lot of of her, like, she has this whole plot line with, like, this very, like, specific found family that she has, these, like, older trans women that took her in at a young age and raised her, who, like, one of them is now dying of cancer. She has this really, like, intense community, and she's kind of the, like, central figure of this community. She has this house that people come to when they need help. Um, It's actually, like, a really beautiful and I think really realistic depiction 
of um, found family in the queer community that happens a lot of the time. People who may have been, you know, discarded by their family or may have like uh, unfortunate uh, circumstances because of their sexuality and their gender identity coming together and, and taking care of each other. So that's actually a really beautiful depiction. Anyways, obviously the plot gets really, really crazy when it is revealed that um, Strella is... Spoilers. Big spoilers. spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Strella... I want to know what happens in Strella. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to this. Don't listen to the rest of this. Uh, it is revealed that Strella is Yorgos's like long lost son, now a, a woman, and they've had obviously these like carnal relations. It gets even weirder when you find out that she knew that he was her father, and she has this really weird like, you know, I didn't think of you as a father. Like, I didn't, I know I didn't uh. even know your face. Like, I was so wrapped up in like the moment that it didn't even feel like I was having sex with my dad. It was just like you just are. And so they have like a huge falling out because he freaks out because they've done these things and like they were really like genuinely falling in love with each other which is like yeah there's some really beautiful depictions of their like sexual relationship even though it it gets really really gross when you discover that they are father and daughter but so things take a a big turn and then basically i don't know how what else to say other than they have a huge falling out and i I do want to say the end like the very very ending just because i think it's it's really incredible it it, they they're not speaking but he yorgos is kind of like trying to take care of her from afar and he's like leaving things at her apartment and and they finally like see each other again and they have kind of a fight but they also are kind of like admit that they care about each other and um they're like we don't know how to move forward but we do care about each other and then cut to the ending sequence is cut to a year later it's the next christmas you didn't see any of this i'll just tell you it's the next christmas and it's literally just this like beautiful christmas celebration where like some of her friends come over um they like yorgos is there like his old like cellmate from prison comes over and he brings his friend there's just this beautiful like found family moment where like you know they're they're just loving each other and just drinking and eating and having a good time and it's like really they're obviously you know yorgos and strella are just like existing as father daughter friend more friends i think more friends than familial but they're not like having sex or anything anymore (laughs) Um, yeah, that's that's the basic plot. That sounds sweet. I mean, talk about like we just we were just chatting about, which was like challenging the audience's perceptions yeah. of what is what can work in a film. And I think just from the synopsis alone, somebody would be like, "I'm not watching that," or that sounds absolutely disturbing and fucked up. But yeah. I mean, you seem like you have like taken to this to the you know to the film, well, and I think that's really powerful. And it was it was a really really challenging watch. And like even those moments where the two of them are having the conversation of like what have we done like there's some really intense fight scenes that happen in this film between the two of them and i don't know hearing hearing each of their perspectives on what they have done it's particularly hearing strella's perspective and her being like i know that it's that it's terrible but you're not my dad you know like like just the, yeah. the idea of like this is like just a random man who hasn't been in in her life for 15 years didn't even know that she w- was trans mm-hmm. didn't even know like anything about her at all and so it's yes like by blood they are related but to her this was just some random man and yes she knew that he was her father but she had a i don't know and so and also more importantly i really appreciate how the ending like yes this is like one of the most genuinely grotesque things that you can think of right is that kind of like incest um but the way that the ending depicts overcoming those those challenges and and having a positive ending and and how how overcoming something like that is is worth it for these two characters because now they have this like family is really Mm. beautiful actually i think that a lot of people would think of a story like this and be like okay so they never spoke again like they just pretended like nothing ever happened and they never spoke again and that is unending and it's probably more realistic but there is something kind of beautiful about being able to overcome something came from it all yeah even though like something horrible happened the overcoming of that and and obviously this is a uh a take on the Oedipus Rex story. Um, yes. And so even seeing a positive ending to that story is kind of cool because that is a, a story about someone who, you know, from the beginning, it's a tragedy. Yeah, and yeah. This isn't really... I mean, it, it has its tragic moments, but it has a happy ending. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think the, the, the cinematography was really interesting. The performances were fantastic. Like, I really, really liked um, Mina Orfanu, the actress that played Strella. I wanted to point out that this film had a pretty successful run in festivals, 
in 2009 and uh strella won several awards and um mina orfano actually won best actress uh at the hellenic film academy in 2010 yeah. so i feel like in 2010 in greece they were awarding trans women for their acting like i don't know where the rest of the world is but that's pretty incredible because she really is fantastic in this film and oh, yeah. i'm happy that that uh she got some of the acclaim that she deserved because I think that, you know, even today we see films get passed over by awards just because of the content and the having, you know, having trans people, having queer people in it is is a big turnoff for a lot of people. But this film is a really positive depiction of uh, the queer community in Athens in the early 2000s, which is something that you don't see a lot of. So that's what I have to say about Strella. Honestly, I really do encourage you to go watch it every oh time. yeah i'll definitely go back and finish this one because i mean i was interested i just didn't have time to finish it no and, and that's it that's life. incredible <laughs> it sounds really really good um shout out to bobby carmy he wrote an essay on it for the, our next issue and yes that, that had me really sold on the idea of this uh of this film so i'm excited yeah i'm very excited to to go back in and watch it yeah it was i was surprised by how much i enjoyed it just because i was literally terrified to watch it um, yeah but yeah yeah and that's strella go watch it that's strella and before we finish today we just want to do a really excite art to say a really exciting announcement for everyone so film club 3000 will be hosting our very first in-person event very, very, very soon. First live event. Yes. Do you want to tell them what it is? Yes, we are having a Oscars viewing event on March 10th, 2024 to come together and watch the Academy Awards. Yeah, so you can get your tickets. We're going to be watching them at six o'clock. You can get tickets for a VIP hour where we're going to be doing networking for any film professionals in the area. It will be in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Yes. Um, yes. So we Dose Artist Collective. Yes. We'll be collaborating with the Dose Artist Collective to do this. Just a, a very quick thing about Dose. This is an organization that is super, very near and dear to my heart. Um, one of our uh, close collaborators and friends, uh, Taja Cephas, is the founder of this organization and I... I helped found found I helped uh, in the I helped in the uh, creation of this organization as well, and it was just like a, a brain baby of a project that we did together a long time ago. And they do a lot of really really amazing stuff. So for artists in the North Carolina area, so if you haven't heard of Dose, check them out. We'll drop um, their Instagram in yeah. the below the podcast information. Um, it'll be a hoot, guys definitely come out it's gonna be a fun time we're gonna have prizes and games and just a cool opportunity to meet other people who like films as much as you do yes you know? and watching the awards with other people who are invested and who love it like that's what i'm excited for is just being in space with people and getting to scream and gasp when and maybe you'll get some maybe you'll things. get a drink maybe, you just, maybe maybe you'll get a cocktail from cam maybe i'll who craft knows? a cocktail for you hmm. this is a possibility <laughs> maybe you'll win an oscar Ooh, maybe so yeah please <laughs> check right. it out guys it'll be yeah fun. please check it out also i want to say that our next episode that we're going to do is going to be a uh, wrap-up of our yorgos lanthimos series which is a big yorgos lanthimos film draft pyramid draft it's going to be a fun <laughs> game we're going to play to rank all of his films together uh you'll find out more next episode don't worry too much about what's going to happen just <laughs> Just come and listen to the episode and hear us rank these films that we've talked about for the last scared. <laughs> month. Yeah. And of course, check out the mag. Check out the mag. It'll be out at the end of February, February 26th. Yeah. A lot of incredible people put a lot of hard work into and I think you're going to love it. Yay. That'd be a good one. Um, All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. You don't have to watch any movies next week. If you want to, a little a little thing to do, film club members, then go watch Yorgos Lanthimos' short films. Yes. Yeah. Um, Necktie is available on youtube for free mm -hmm. and mimic which is another one of his short films is i think only on movie which is a streaming service but um i'm sure you can find it in illegal ways I don't you know have your ways you. we know you have your ways yep. all right everybody we'll talk to you soon talk soon love you guys and Bye. thanks for listening to film club 3000